Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, if you didn't catch it through the songs, uh, we love Jesus around here. Um, uh, we, we, we don't try to hide that at all. Uh, it's my prayer that uh, if you don't know my friend Jesus, my prayer is by the end of this service, you will. Uh, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me and a whole lot of people in this room, and he'll be the best thing that's ever happened to you when you encounter the true living king of this universe who is alive. We're gonna celebrate his birth as a church on Christmas Eve, and we've got three services this week at two o'clock, four o'clock, and six o'clock, and I, I just want you to start thinking about who you're going to invite. We've, we've had uh, these invitation cards uh, made up for you, so if you take one of those, be praying over the individuals that, that you want to give those out to, um, you can give them to random strangers if you want. My, my hope is you've been praying for somebody, maybe a coworker, a friend, a relative, and the Lord has laid them on your heart. Now, I would encourage you to say, you know what? You can come to church with me or you can meet me there. Here's my phone number. You can text me. Let's, let's get together. At this point, we've been trying to figure out, you know, kind of the flow, how many, how many people can we get in the room at the different services. Looks like the 2 o'clock service at this point is people are RSVPing. It looks like the 2 o'clock will be pretty full, uh, and then the 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock, not as full. And if, it, if I'm just guessing, I would think that the 6 o'clock would have the most elbow room, but I've said that kind of thing before, and you all end up showing at that service, and it's like, he's a liar. There's no room in here at all. So... Um, Come to the service that works best for you and, and do bring somebody with you. Uh, for myself, I, I've, I've got somebody that I'm praying for and I, I haven't been able to see them, like to hand them the card. So I was just like, all right, Lord, help, what do I need to do? So I, I wrote them a, a Christmas card, wrote them a note, put it in there and said, here's my phone number. I, I hope to see you at church. And so uh, I'm, I'm praying for that person. And so there's somebody in your life that the Lord would have you pray for as well. We'd love to have them come and worship with us on Christmas Eve, two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock. Uh, we, we gather as a church and we have a mission. We have a purpose. We, we don't just spend like an hour in here once a week. We, we really want to inspire people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, like I said, he, he is the king of the universe, best thing that's ever happened to me. And so we, we try to let people know about who Jesus is and we encourage them to, to look like him. That we wouldn't just be Christians in name only. The world has enough of them. We want to be true followers, wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ, transformed by him from the inside out. And so we talk about loving what Jesus loved. And he loved his heavenly father and he loved his disciples and he loved the world, people who didn't know uh, the Father yet. And so we want to do the same thing. We want to we want to love God and we want to love the church and we want to love the world. And so we encourage people to take some time loving God. And we call that God time and we can spend time in the word reading the Bible ourselves and praying and talking to him. We have God time when we come in here and we're worshiping together and we're going to open up the Bible here in a second. And then we we love the church. We love one another. We really like getting in circles so that we don't just see the back of somebody's head, but we can see face 
face-to-face, and we can encourage each other when it comes to small groups and, and sharpen one another and lift one another up when we're having difficulties and challenges. I know in many of your life groups right now, you have individuals who are going through just difficult times, and they've been in the hospital, or they've lost a loved one, and so that becomes an opportunity for those groups really to love on one another, because I can't take care of a 1,000 people. The, the whole staff can't do that either, but together we can love on each other, and we do that best when we're in groups and smaller groups. And then we love the world. We talk about go time, about spending time going out into the world and sharing Jesus wherever we're at, if our domain is at work or hobbies, sports, whatever the Lord has called us to, we wanna be good witnesses of Jesus and the transformation that he's caused in our lives. And so that's what we're about here at the church. And again, you're, you're gonna hear the name of Jesus mentioned often here because we, we love him. He, he's changed our lives and I know he'll change your life as well. Today we're talking about God with us, that God really is here, he is with us. And today we're gonna talk about God with us to behold. And that word behold shows up in the Bible over a thousand times. And you see that word many times even related to the Christmas account. Uh, you'll, You'll find words like, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. And then we find it in our kind of key verse that we're looking at in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. And this behold actually was spoken hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up in that manger, before the first advent. The prophet Isaiah made a prophecy about what God was going to do, and eventually it came to pass. But this is what we read in Matthew 1, verse 23, spoken hundreds of years before Jesus was born in that manger. It says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us to behold. Now, when angels show up on the scene, there's always a couple of phrases that they have to lead with. They, they learn it in angel school. I made that up. Uh, so there's like, okay, when you show up, people are going to be a little wigged out. So there's some things you need to say. What, what's one of the phrases that we hear the angels say? And they say, yeah, fear not. Don't, don't freak out. Uh, that's one of the common phrases that they say because you'd probably be a little surprised if, if you saw an angel show up. And, and the other one is, uh, Behold. And so Mary and Joseph and the shepherds all got a behold from the angels. And so I want to look at the account, and you've heard it already this morning in Luke 2. This is how it went down with the shepherds. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, let me stop. i got to say something just real quick. When I'm talking about angels, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, these, they're real, Okay. And when I talk about Jesus, he's real as well. Like these aren't stories that I'm telling you. It's not like a fairy tale or a made up, you know, Disney movie. These are real people. These are real events. So I just want you to understand that when when we read about this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I think about the angels showing up and and what he is saying here. Uh, We heard it earlier as we, we lit the Advent candle about great joy. There is great joy in this moment because the angel knows what is going on. Because the angel would be able to say, if we had a longer conversation or could hear this from him, he would say, it has been nine months. We saw Jesus nine months ago in heaven as God. We haven't seen him for nine months. He has now shown up on planet Earth 
we want you shepherds to go and adore. Go and behold. Go and worship. The king of this universe has moved in your direction. Your king is alive. And so they say, behold. Behold means watch. The angel says, behold, we want you to see something. Something is going on. God is moving in your direction. God has become flesh, become a man. And so the account of Christmas is God doing something on our behalf. And he's saying, I want you to watch this. I want you to see what I am going to do. Now the message of Jesus and his arrival and why we celebrate Christmas and why Jesus came to earth is often misunderstood. It's misunderstood by people who don't have a relationship with him, who are not believers in Christ. It's also often misunderstood even by Christians. A lot of people think, well, Jesus came to make people better. Jesus came to to help me to be more loving. Jesus came to, to tell me I need to behave properly. Or he has come so that we might, might spread social justice. But the primary message of Christmas is not become, and it is not behave, it's behold. The message of Christmas is behold. God is doing something. This doesn't rest on you and your behavior or you even becoming something. It all rests on God and you and I beholding and believing what he is doing in history through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not about you becoming or behaving. It is all about you beholding and putting God in the proper spot where he belongs. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, it's 30 years after Jesus' birth. John is out baptizing people in the River Jordan for their sins, and Jesus comes along. And we read this in John 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So God's rescue plan for you and for me wasn't coming in our direction with a to-do list. His rescue plan for you and me was for us to behold what he is doing on our behalf, all that he has become, all that he is for us. It is him moving in our direction for us to behold and to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he came to do. That's how we gain a relationship with God, not by you being good, not by your good behavior. It has all been done by God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we would behold and believe. That is how we begin to have a right relationship with God. That's how we get accepted by him. But that's really hard for us to comprehend. Because for us, we we tend to think, if somebody's going to accept me, I'm gonna have to behave well. I'm gonna have to be good. And so what we tend to think is God is the same way, and so if God is gonna smile at me, if he's gonna invite me into his heaven, if he's gonna like me at all, I'm going to have to behave. And so a lot of people, in kind of the theology that they make up, they'll determine, well, I've gotta behave and I gotta be good, so I imagine that there's a scale. And if God's gonna accept me into his heaven, then I'm going to need, need to be good and not bad. And so they start working on being good, and they think if they compile enough good things in their life, more so than the bad things, well, then surely God will let them into heaven because God only lets good people into heaven. It's almost like God is this cosmic Santa Claus, and he's up there keeping a list of all the good boys and girls, and, and they get a gift, and all the other naughty ones, they get coal. But that is not the message of Christmas. Christmas is not about you being 
good and God watching you like Santa Claus. It is all about God acting on your behalf and you simply just beholding and believing all of the action that is coming and moving in your direction through his son, Jesus Christ. And here's why. Here's why it's not about you becoming or you behaving. It is because you and I can't save ourselves. You cannot save yourself. I know you'd like to. I know you'd like to put a little bit of effort into your faith or your salvation so that you can say that you did something in order to get into heaven, but you cannot. We can't save ourselves. In another book in in the Bible, the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verse one, an apostle by the name of Paul says that we're dead in our sins and transgressions. We're helpless. We're dead in our sins and transgressions. That word sin means missing the mark. Like God is perfect. And in order to get into his perfect heaven, you and I would have to be perfect, not just good, stainless. And you and I have missed the mark. We've missed perfection. We, we miss it all the time. It is, it is falling short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23, that's, that's sins. Trespass, we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Trespasses means God has a standard. He has these boundaries for our lives. He has laws that he has given. He has a way for us to walk and behave. And when those laws really don't match up with what we want to do, we're more than happy to cross that line and trespass. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead means dead. Right? We're, we're helpless. We're helpless to save ourselves. We're helpless to, to make anything happen on our own. So we cannot save ourselves. And for those reasons, salvation has to come from outside of us. It can't come by you just simply being nice to your neighbor or kind to somebody else or good intentions. Like, I think God knows I'm, I'm a good person, so he'll let me into heaven. All of the work of salvation for you and for me has come from the outside so that we might experience salvation. And I think there's a lot of pictures of this in the Bible. One of them is found in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, Numbers 21. You can look it up sometime. Uh, Numbers 21, there's this moment where Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. And they've gone through the Red Sea. And so at that point, they're out in the wilderness and they're just kind of wandering around. Well, there got to be one point in their lives where they're just really disgruntled and, and they're disobeying God and, and they just say, you know what, we don't want anything to do with God, we don't want anything to do with Moses, we were better off in Egypt in bondage, we don't want to follow God anymore. Well, as a result of their rebellion, as a result of their complaining, God sent a swarm of snakes. I don't really know what you call a whole bunch of snakes, so I call them a swarm. They may be in a den, but these, these boogers were moving, all right? So they're kind of following them around, so it's a swarm of snakes. Fiery serpents, the Bible says. So these are poisonous snakes, and these snakes would bite the people. This is punishment. They would bite the people, and it would be fiery pain, and some of them died. And as people are dying, they cry out to God, 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 save us. God, please take this away from us. We don't want this anymore. Moses, help us out. And so God comes to Moses. He tells Moses, I want you to get a pole. And on that pole, I want you to take an image of one of those serpents out of bronze. Maybe you've been to the doctor before and you've seen a pole with a serpent on it. I'm always remembered of what happened there in the wilderness. So take a pole and put this serpent on it, make it out of bronze. And you tell the people, Moses, When they go and they behold that pole, I will save them. I will heal them. And Jesus said, this is the picture of what the Son of Man 
what I, Jesus says, have come to do. We find it in John 3. John 3, verse 14, it says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus Christ would go to the cross, you and I have this beautiful picture, this beautiful symbol of what God has done to save people, to heal people, to remove the sting of sin and death from their lives. Every one of us in this room knows the sting of sin. We're still living under the sting of sin when it comes to death. We see it in our loved ones when, when they pass away. Every single one of us will die if Christ doesn't return for his church. That's a consequence of sin. And death eternal is even worse. To be separated from God forever for all of eternity in hell. But because of Jesus Christ and his deep love for his creation, he moves in our direction so that when we die physically, it doesn't mean that we're dead spiritually forever. We have a relationship with him. He removes the poison of sin in our lives. He heals us. For every single person who will look up to the cross of Christ and behold and believe, you and I can experience salvation, connection, relationship with our heavenly father once again. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We've all sinned and yet God moved in our direction out of his deep love. The disease that you and I have is sin, and it's fatal. It's terminal, and it moves in our direction. It means that we are spiritually dead. When we come onto planet Earth, when we were born, we were born with a sinful nature. We were born with sin at our disposal. We weren't born, you know, when you're teaching a kid, you don't have to teach them to be bad. You have to teach them to be good. Sin is on the inside of us. It is inherent on the inside. And it is for that sin that Jesus Christ came so that we wouldn't be separated from God for all of eternity, but we could have a relationship with him once again. Not by you becoming a good boy or a good girl or even your good intentions, but because of God who moved in your direction, if you will just simply behold all of the work, all of the effort, all of the action is moving in my direction from him and my job in, then is to behold and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. You behold in him, you believe in him, you will be saved. So my question is, do you behold? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you recognize the fact that you're helpless to save yourself? I mean, you've tried to straighten up your life. We try really hard to do the right thing rather than doing the wrong thing, and we can do that pretty good for maybe two weeks, and then we screw it up again. We try our best to be kind to others, to do the right thing, yet we keep dropping the ball. Do you recognize that you are helpless under your own power to save yourself, to prop yourself up and to stand before Almighty God and say, I think I'm good enough to get into your heaven? Do you recognize that you need a savior, someone moving in your direction to remove the sin from your life and that he is the only one that can save you? I mean, most of us perceive that there's this, this tension, this, this break in the relationship with God in heaven. It's hard to verbalize sometimes. But we all feel it and we all sense it. And so a whole bunch of people sensing that do their very best to try to get back into God's good graces, if you will. And the way that it manifests itself in many people's lives is they, they work and move towards good behavior. 
Like, I think I just need to be a good person. I'm going to try to tip that scale so that God will then look favorably on me. And so people will work at it. And so I came, I came across just a great example of this. Um, Warren Buffett, you might have heard of him before, uh, a billionaire. In 2006, Warren Buffett made a promise that he was going to give away 99% of his wealth to charity. Some of you are thinking about starting a 501c3 now. Like, oh, I can help Warren Buffett out. That would be great. So 99%, we have a tough time talking about the tithe around here, 99%. Uh, he'll be just fine on his 1%. But when he was asked why he would give away 99% of his wealth, in an interview in 2006, he said this. There's more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. Now, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said there's one way. But we all have a way. All of us have a way. We, we tend to try to make up our own way to get to heaven. Because in our pride and our unwillingness to bend our knee and say, I need a savior and I'm a sinner, sinner, in our own kind of pride, we're like, I will find a way. Now, you may not have billions of dollars to try to buy your way into heaven, but you, we all have a way. I, like, I, my way is I'll be good. I'm gonna try harder to be a good parent. I'll be a good spouse. Maybe somewhere along the line, you've promised God, if I go to church a little bit more, maybe that will tip the scale in my favor and God will look favorably on me. Perhaps some of you, you're, you're deciding, you know what, I think I just need to be better than the next person. That way if God grades on the curve, I'll be all right. I can make it. It's like the guy who's out in the forest and they're both trying to outrun the bear. You don't need to outrun the bear, you just need to outrun the slowest guy, right? So I just need to outrun, out, out good the next guy and I'll be just fine. Some people will say, well, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make these promises to God. God, I promise I'm going to do better. God, I'm gonna try hard not to sin and do better. God, I'm gonna work at this, I'm gonna try. God, you know my heart. You know my intentions, and because you know I have good intentions of not sinning and doing the wrong thing, well, then surely you'll let me into heaven. But we're not saved by what we've done, and we're not saved by our good intentions and our promises. We are saved through Jesus Christ. We are saved by beholding and believing in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross for us. That's the gospel. <laughs> and, and gospel, it just means good news, Behold, I bring good news. Behold, I bring gospel. And when the angel shows up and he says, I've got good news, he's not showing up and saying, uh, this isn't good intentions. This is not good instructions. This isn't just like, here, God has some ways that you can live these principles out, and if you live these principles out and you're kind of nice to other people, then you can get into heaven. No, that's not really good news because we never know when we've done enough good things. He's saying, this is a good message, and the good message is your God in heaven saw you in the dark, saw you in your sin, he moved in your direction, and if you will behold and believe, you will be saved, and you will have life, and all of that is what he did, not what you and I have done, not about you being good or behaving. And maybe you might think at this point, Man, that sounds kind of easy. It sounds like I really don't have to do anything. So is God not really interested in my behavior or being good or any of that? Of course he is. Of course he's interested in your behavior and you being good and you being kind to other people. He just doesn't want you thinking that's how you get into heaven. 
He doesn't want you to think that, man, if I'm just a good person, I'm kind to other people, and I have good intentions, that I've got salvation as a result of that. God wants for you to be filled with his presence, that he would pour his love into your life, that you would behold and believe in him, and as a result of that transformed heart now, out of the love that he pours into your heart, out of the overflow, you start loving God in a new way. And you start loving other people in a way that you couldn't before. That's how it works. The love of God poured into our hearts and the transformation that happens from the inside out that you don't manufacture. You don't make. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to work on it. It is his spirit being lived out through you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus Christ. It is all about him. It is about his spirit. When we behold Christ on the cross, we repent of our sins, which means I'm gonna turn my back on the way that I've been going, thinking I'm gonna save myself, and I begin to move my faith in the direction of God, his son, Jesus Christ. At that moment, I'm forgiven. And when I'm forgiven, I receive his spirit, and his spirit begins to empower me. And his spirit brings these gifts with him. His spirit brings this fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-respect, all of that poured into my heart, and now out of that overflow, flow, I begin to live differently. Christians live with a completely different worldview than others. We begin to see through a brand new lens this creation that God has made, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, and how God how now has a, an intimate relationship with me, and I have one with him, and out of that love that he pours into my heart, I start treating people differently. I start living differently. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But we now have a resource that we did not have before because before we were dead, helpless, a lifeless spirit. But when Christ comes in, our spirit is now made alive. And we have at our access a savior and his spirit to help us navigate through this life. And every now and then, you get these really neat glimpses of the spirit of God and how he so transforms a life is just evident. I found one of those examples here recently. Um, in 2018, off-duty Dallas police officer Amber Geiger entered into an apartment that she thought was her own, and she shot and killed 26-year-old Botham Jean. You might have heard this on the news. It was late at night. She went to her apartment complex. She thought it was her apartment. She goes into her apartment. She thought that Botham was a burglar in her apartment, pulled out her weapon and shot him and killed him. And several months ago, on October 1st, uh, Amber Geiger was convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years in prison. The next day was victim impact testimony. And one of Botham's brothers, Brant Jean, gave testimony on the stand, and man, if you saw this on social media or the internet, um, I think you see Christ at work in that moment. Let's go ahead and take a look at that clip. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. 
and the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. beholding the love of God given to you through the gospel is what allows you then to have the kind of love for others that God has always intended for his children to allow his creation to reflect his image to show forgiveness, to extend love and grace, even when others don't necessarily deserve it. To be filled with his love to the place where it just begins to overflow out of our lives. And so the angel comes and the angel declares, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The deep darkness that had been hovering over this planet for so long is about to be lifted and light will explode with an empty tomb. And at your disposal will be the Spirit of God. God, not just with you, God in you. Living his life through you. Behold, it's command. The angel didn't show up with a behold suggestion. He didn't show up with a, a persuasive speech. He shows up with this command, behold, watch, look. The king of glory has entered into time and space and he has come for you, God, moving in your direction. Behold, it's a warning. It's almost like if you're watching television and the weatherman comes on, the weatherman says, hey, there is a storm moving in your direction and the sirens outside are just kind of blaring outside your house. And the weatherman says, in, in about five minutes, your neighborhood is gonna be hit by a freak tornado. And if you hear that, that's not the moment for you to flip back to TBS and finish watching Elf. <laughs> that's the moment to take cover. A storm is coming our direction. And so the angel says, behold, 
Behold, the judge is at the door. Behold, God's justice and judgment are coming. Behold, how helpless you are to save yourselves. Behold, how tenderly he came. Behold, how much he suffered for your sin. Behold him on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Behold him saying, it is finished. Your sins are forgiven. Behold God making him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness made right in God's eyes through Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called the children of God. Behold God with us. Behold God with us in this moment for you so that you might behold and live Salvation is not found in your goodness or any effort on your part. It is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. He took your punishment. Behold, all of your guilt and shame erased. Behold, what was old is now new. Behold a new creation. Behold a new heart. Behold a new life. Behold life eternal. Jesus Christ lifted up, suspended between heaven and hell for you. If you would behold and believe, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Just imagine, imagine back in the wilderness. Imagine if you were there when they're out in the wilderness and that swarm of snakes came. Imagine one of your friends gets bit and they're dying you would take that friend and you would bring them to the point and you would just tell them, look up, just come to the foot of the hill and look up and behold and you'll be healed. I'm coming to you as the same kind of friend. I'm telling you, if you will look up to the cross of Christ and behold your salvation, you will be saved. You will have life. And it's not found in you. You acknowledge, I am a sinner. I've tried to fix my life. I cannot. I need a savior. I cannot do this on my own. Jesus Christ was your substitute. Have you ever done that? Have you ever beheld your savior on the cross? Salvation flows from him. If you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified and made right in God's sight. And it is with the mouth that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we're saved. The Bible tells us that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not hope to be saved, not wish to be saved, not work to be saved, will be be saved and God is not a liar and he's kept every one of his promises and he'll keep that one when you behold and you believe let's pray I don't know 
at what moment it will be for you when the gospel good news of Jesus clicks and your ears are open and your eyes are open to the love of the Father. But I've been praying that this moment would be that moment for you. Happens in an instant and you can pray something like this. Jesus, be my savior. I've sinned, I fall short. Please wash my sins away. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe in faith that you rose from the dead and you're alive, you're alive today because I've been sensing you and hearing you today. Be my savior. I make you my Lord. As best I know how, I will follow you from this day forward. Father, I pray for any heart that has made that move today, that has heard the call that you had in mind for them to behold and to believe in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you fill them with your presence? It's not an easy life. There may be challenges ahead and we will drop the ball and we will fall short and we will sin, but every single time we will keep coming back to the foot of the cross, we will repent, we will find you there. Thank you for never letting us go. Thank you for not making this about us and how well we behave and how perfectly we live this life. Thank you for making it all about your son, Jesus Christ, the grace, the gift that you give through him. Lord, I pray that we all would live in that truth and that reality and out of the deep love that you've lavished on us that in turn, we want to follow you. We want to love you. We want to walk away from sin and we want to love others just as you would have us. Empower us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.